Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of On The Way Home, where I share intimate stories, conversations, and scenes from my everyday life here in Oman. And what's more intimate and personal than my friend, al Ghadia, opening up about her depression? Hello! <laughs> in a break from my usual studio routine, I decided to record this interview at my place. It was actually the second time I did an interview with Al-Ghalia. We conducted the first one in the studio, where we talked about an array of topics like traveling. But I wanted to redo it again because I didn't like how it turned out. Patiently, Al-Ghalia agreed to redo the recording, and I thought would probably talk about the same topics. On the morning of the interview, however, Al-Ghalia surprised me with this text. For my episode, I want to talk about my depression. My stomach dropped anxiously, and I texted her back. I look forward to it. Skip till the end of the workday. I went home thinking I had enough time to prepare for my guest. As these things go, I was frantically cleaning up until Al-Ghalia showed up. Oh, wow. Farhan! Yes? Hi. Hi, Hi. Farhan. We have a guest. You know me, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <laughs> <laughs> we caught up for a bit talk plenty about books, as we usually do, and settled in for the interview. I was a bit surprised when you texted me this morning. So, um, like, there were, like, other things that I wanted to talk about, which we covered in the last interview. But, um, again, it, I'm interested in why uh, you discussed, or, like, you brought up what you brought up this morning. So talk me through that process or... It wasn't a very long process. <laughs> okay. um, I woke up. I went to bed, actually, not feeling well. I woke up not feeling well. And, like, I have to go to work again. I have to wake up again. And I remember last time when we did the first recording, I was actually kind of depressed. Mm-hmm. And But then I didn't want to change it again because we had to reschedule multiple times. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's fine. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did. And it was fine. Uh, but then I felt like that was not me necessarily somehow and and I'm like oh my god today we have to do re-record and I'm again I'm depressed <laughs> so then I would have like my answers are not gonna reflect how I'm truly feeling about things because I feel like my brain always changes so the way I view things like if you ask me how much do I love reading on mm-hmm. a good day I would I could talk about it for hours and then if you ask me on a bad day I'll be like yeah I love reading that's it so that's why I was like oh my god again we'll have to redo this and it's Mm -hmm. gonna be bad again just because I wouldn't be able to like elaborate more and my answers are gonna be just not really interesting I feel like it wasn't fully me Mm -hmm. in so many aspects one of them is uh me just having to constantly pretend that I'm fine even though I know I'm not right now mm-hmm. not right now actually right now I feel better <laughs> which is <laughs> no compared to this morning because oh going okay. back to my thought process so yeah I was thinking and then at some point when I was getting ready uh, I was doing my eyebrows and I was like I just started crying because I felt like like this is too much and if I had a choice, I would just stay in bed that day because it's one of those days. Mm-hmm. But I know that I can't do that. Um, 
not today. <laughs> I had to get up and go to work. Um, so I was like, then why not talk about it <laughs> instead? Because I knew, like at that moment, the way I felt this morning, mm -hmm. I knew that I wouldn't be able to talk about anything else and make it sound interesting. Mm -hmm. But uh, throughout the day, I did so many things and now I feel better. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure of that plan. <laughs> it's like the universe, nope. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. Um, I still want to talk about it though. As with many people, mental health is a topic that my friends and I do not shy away from discussing. I think we can all agree that a lot has been done to increase awareness regarding mental health and psychological well-being in general, which normalizes conversations like these. Before we move on with the rest of the episode, let me give you some background on how I met Al-Ghalia. We both moved to Muscat in 2020 for work and quickly bonded over our shared interest of arts and books. We were both new to Muscat, and during those COVID days, it was hard to meet new people and socialize. So we held on to our connection and spent a lot of time hanging out. It's been almost three years since we met, and even though I'm used to having these conversations with Al-Ghalia, I couldn't remember if I ever asked her directly or in detail about her history with depression. Do you remember the first time you felt depressed? Mm. I don't remember the first time, but I knew it was somewhere when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Like at some point when I was a kid, I mean. I feel like I've always been depressed thinking about it now. Mm -hmm. And of course, when I was a kid, I didn't know that. I just thought that I was uh, some kid who's not interested in life and also not interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that actually there's something in my brain that's making me this way. But um, it wasn't so bad when I was a kid. As I grew up, I feel like it became more of an issue when I was a teenager. And still, I had no idea. Like, because when we were kids, these things weren't really popular. You don't really go and read about them. They're not shown on TV or we didn't have the internet <laughs> back then. So you hear the word, but then you think it's like this very rare and huge thing, like you'd have to be hospitalized for it. And yeah, some people do, but um, it's also like, I could also have it and be able to live my life as a kid. I didn't know that it's possible that I would have any form of like mental health issues because I didn't know that they can be like, not bad to the point where you have to live your whole life in a hospital. Oh, That's so how I thought. You thought it was kid. always like an extreme yeah, thing. Yeah, like an extreme thing and you, you just can't have it. It's not possible unless it's like you're bedridden every day. Anyway, so I didn't know until I was um, at university. That's when I actually like for sure knew and had a word to describe it. Um, that's when I started going to therapy and stuff. But before, when it first started, I don't remember like an exact moment, but I do remember like moments from my childhood when I felt that way. Just so we're all on the same page, let's define depression. According to Mayo Clinic, 
Depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest. Also called major depressive disorder or clinical depression, it affects how you feel, think, and behave, and can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. To paraphrase some more, it can interfere with a person's normal day-to-day -day activities, and sometimes makes them feel as if life isn't worth living. When it comes to general knowledge regarding mental health, I, and I'm sure this applies to many people too, went through a huge learning curve. Like Al-Ghadia, growing up, I didn't encounter any material that aimed to increase awareness on mental health, let alone depression specifically. And for us, the internet wasn't a part of our lives as kids. So I remember thinking the way Al-Ghadia did, that depression can only be a serious and risky condition rather than something that anyone can have in varying degrees. As Al-Ghalia mentioned, she doesn't remember an exact moment from her childhood where she felt depressed, but she was able to describe one of those random moments where she was acutely aware of that feeling. I remember one time I was uh, at a cousin's place, I think, and then my mother was picking me up, and on the way home I just, I was like thinking, how come I can't be as happy as the other kids? Because they were like running around and they seemed like careless and free. And I felt like I had so many things on my mind and uh, I just felt so sad. I thought that something wrong, <laughs> there's something wrong with me, like in my personality, not like something wrong with me, like with my mental health or something. So I, th I thought like, okay, this is just, I have a personality basically. <laughs> and I'm boring and I'm not interesting like the other kids. So that's how I dealt with it throughout my childhood. I just thought I was this person who's not interesting just because I didn't feel like doing most of the things like other kids were doing. Not interesting or not interested in what's around you? Both. Both? Because I didn't find myself interesting. When I was when I was having like a depressive episode, I would be, I would not be interested interested in doing anything. Mm -hmm. um, and then even if I was playing and stuff, I just didn't feel happy. I just did these things because that's what everybody else was doing, and everybody seemed like they were having so much fun, and I always felt like I had to pretend mm -hmm. to like enjoy things and fake it basically is that how you handled it for the most part just pretending and matched what everyone's energy and behavior was or how did you um, handle it I think yeah for the most part that's how I uh, dealt with it I just um, this is how I thought I'm not really into life <laughs> somehow <laughs> so I'll just do whatever other people want me to do uh, go to school, do my homework, uh, do this, do that. Um, and that's how I lived for like most of my life. And that's indeed how Al-Ghalia went about her life. She continued to check off one box after another and made huge strides, especially in academia. Toward the end of her high school career in Oman, Al-Ghalia was a high-achieving student who was eligible to apply to a highly competitive scholarship program in Oman. For that pool of applicants, 
they had 10 seats to compete for, and Al-Ghalia won one of those seats to study abroad. From Ibri, Al-Ghalia is the eldest of five siblings, and she was the first one to ever take such a step in her immediate family. In fact, I'm pressed to think that this was one of the many things that Al-Ghalia did that opened a lot of doors for the rest of her siblings and even to the girls in her surrounding environment, as it was generally frowned upon for a girl to study abroad. Someone had to break certain barriers first to normalize it for others, and that someone was her. This is something I greatly admire about her, and I continue to be amazed by. So, off she went to pursue her studies abroad. And as evident by our conversations, it was during those formative years that Al-Ghalia came to understand and acknowledge her mental health more than ever. Do you remember the first time you talked about it to someone? I think the first time I even admitted it to myself was not even that long ago. It was probably like my second year of university, which was five years ago. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I actually admitted to myself. And I was like, I didn't know before, but I've never actually used the word mm-hmm. to describe it. And that's when I started going to therapy and the first person I talked to was my first therapist. Okay. Yeah, that's when I actually started talking about it. And that's the first person who I talked to about, which I think is a good thing because you never know like people's reaction mm-hmm. when you tell them. They might play down, they might be really worried. And then, you know, when someone is worried and then you kind of can't talk to them anymore because you don't want them to be worried. Yeah, That's one of the reactions I've got from my, my family. But um, I'm glad that the first person I talked to was an actual professional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that helped a lot. And it was a really long process for me to just accept it and accept that it's not, it's not my fault that I feel that way. And it's not my fault that I don't feel like getting out of bed most mornings Mm -hmm. and I don't feel like interacting with people or going to university or doing, you know, most things basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's the first time I talked about it. And you, it sounds like you, you were blaming yourself for that. It's not your fault. Maybe before. Okay. Not anymore, but Mm -hmm. before I was just because I stopped going to university, I, would stay in bed for days sometimes. Um, I would take like sleeping pills to help me stay in bed more just because I didn't want to face life Mm -hmm. because it was too much for me. Um, And I was blaming myself because I was like, why am I like this? Why am I doing this to myself? Why am I ruining my life? Because this is how I felt my whole life and I still managed to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. So why am I stopping now? And I think uh, the reason why I stopped forcing myself to do things is just because I've, I've had enough, basically. <laughs> I've been forcing myself to, or pretending and doing all of these things my whole life. Mm-hmm. And then I've reached a point where it was too overwhelming and I was like, I need to stop. So I just stopped. I stopped and I stopped everything <laughs> that year. And like therapy was my main focus for like two to three years. 
emphasize this point again. Al-Ghalia has always been a good student, so it's understandable why her stop came as a surprise to others and even herself. During her therapy sessions, Al-Ghalia was able to open up, and slowly but surely, they worked on addressing the things that caused or contributed to her depression. It was and continues to be a work in progress till this day. But having that experience during her university years was paramount, as it set the foundation for improvement in a lot of areas in her life. As a friend, I understand why she would bring up those experiences with me and within our mutual circles. But hearing her talk some more, I came to understand even more why she wanted to talk about this with anyone who might be listening. My problem is, I thought I was like the only person who've ever struggled with university. <laughs> okay. Just because you know how like the university years are usually pictured everywhere mm-hmm. as like like those perfect, amazing, fun yeah. four years of your life where you explore yourself and learn more about yourself and do like amazing. Especially here. I mean they don't really they don't advertise for the fun part here yeah. in our culture, but it's like it's always like this smooth journey where you go for four years, graduate, get a job. That's why I felt like I'm a failure because mm-hmm. everyone else seems to be doing fine. And uh, especially that my first university was an arts university, so everyone was, you know, enjoying their life. Being artsy and expressing <laughs> yeah, having themselves. having colored hair, expressing their, themselves and having fun. Mm-hmm. And then there's me <laughs> who can't get through the day. So I was like, why am I like this? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's wrong with the universe? How come I'm not having fun? Like all of these other amazing people. Um, and then, that, yeah, that's why I'm angry at this, uh, I'm not really no person in particular, but you know how the way they talk about university and the, w- the way everyone hides these things. Mm-hmm. Like even when I went through that, um, no one would talk about, it was like a secret basically. No one mm-hmm. would say, oh, I took a year off, I failed. Like that was never discussed just because I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's like the parents in general, like what do they think when they want to hide these things? I'm sure it comes from a good place. Like they want Mm -hmm. to protect you. They don't want people to, you know, ask questions and all of that. But still, I feel like, and I knew Mm -hmm. like when I knew a lot of other people from my, um, from my year in school that they went through the same thing and they struggled as well. And their families were doing the same thing, like hiding Mm. it. So it's like this thing where people don't really want to talk about. And then even now, like I know a lot of people who are going through a tough time and they're always kind of, they, they always see themselves as this like, as a failure basically, just because they think that they're the only person who ever went through this. Al-Ghalia is probably one of the most honest people I've ever met. I'd even say there's a shocking quality to her honesty and how blunt she can be about her experiences, both the good and the bad ones. And I absolutely agree with her on so many things when it comes to the college experience. 
There's something that seems to happen to a lot of us during that second year of university. I struggled a lot during my second year, and I did consider taking a gap year. But thanks to the help of my friends and professors, I was able to push through and made a huge turnover in my third year and onwards. After I graduated college, I was surprised by the sheer number of people I encountered who went through a similar experience in varying degrees. Some took time out like Al-Ghadia, others took even longer to finish their degrees, and some found very unique ways to manage what they were going through. The stories varied wildly, but they had one thing in common. Everyone felt like they were alone, and they thought that everyone around them was doing just fine. And this is precisely what made Al-Ghalia decide to talk about her struggles this openly. So yeah, that's why I wanted to share this. Mm. Not because I'm the success story. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Just because um, it always feels like I would have really wanted to hear that someone Mm. went through that. Um, And I don't care like the outcome, whether they managed to go back and finish their degree or not. Um, But just knowing that it's normal to struggle through university because most people do and it's normal to take time off it's not the end of the world because i mean your mental health uh, is more important than Mm -hmm. finishing some class um and yeah like i i'm really glad that i decided to take some time off and then at that point i didn't really care whether Mm -hmm. i'd be able to go back or not And uh, once I started feeling better, then I was more interested in finishing my degree. I started applying and um, I'm glad I managed to find some university that would take me. (laughs) Kudos to that university. And that my last year was my favorite. Oh, really? I mean, half of that year was during COVID, Mm. but (laughs) still I, I did really well and I managed to get like, a plus in most things, mm-hmm. which <laughs> I didn't get before. I was a really good student throughout my life mm-hmm. and high school twice, uh, but uh, not university. But that third year, I did amazing just because um, I I wasn't struggling mentally. And I, I just, I was able to actually uh, put all my time and effort into my studies. Equipped with her college experience, Al-Ghalia emerged into the next stage of her life with a lot of learnings. The main one being that working on her mental health will still be a part of her life as she continued to struggle with the things that fed her depression. However, experiencing more of life as a working adult was more positive and empowering than she guessed it would be. That accumulated into some of the changes she made regarding her mental health two years ago. I guess I've came to realize that um, I would have to make a choice. Like I can't, I can't live that. Cause I've, I've, I've done this my whole life, uh, just doing whatever people want me to do, uh, just to get by because I'm not interested uh, in my life. And then I'll just live according to everyone else's rules and everyone else's, I mean, like my family, culture, society, the world, I don't know. Um, And I did what I was supposed to to do. But then two years ago, I felt like I have to make a choice. I either continue to do that or try to do what I want to do 
for a change and see if anything would change if I would be happier if, if I would be more interested in my life and did you? I feel like yeah I mean yeah I still struggle with my mental health every day but I am more interested in my life I do find life interesting mm-hmm. um, apart from my like very bad days but still like I still have hope that um, this is gonna end at some point and then I'll be happy again and I'll be able to do the things I enjoy doing. The compounded effects of her past experience, growth as an adult, and financial independence enabled Elgadia to make some lifestyle changes to go along with the mindset change she made two years ago. Some of these things included traveling and investing in her personal interests, such as Legos, books, dinosaurs, among many things. As listeners, I'm well aware that you probably have a lot of questions and you'd want to know more details about Al-Ghalia. And maybe we'll get the chance to share some more in the future, and maybe not. But that's not what matters in this particular episode. I've been having a hard time finding a way to say this without sounding cliche. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that what matters is the hope and the strength that comes from hearing the experiences of someone like Al-Ghalia. Depression, after all, is pretty common. And it's something that can improve and be managed with the right tools and resources. When referencing the ability to do things that she enjoys, it may sound like a simple thing on the surface, but it's really not. I actually think it's a really big and important thing for our long-term well-being. And for Al-Ghalia, being able to do what she truly enjoys without sacrificing it to expectations has been one of the surprising and genuine joys of getting older. I think what I love um, the most about myself is that mm-hmm. with every year I grow older, mm-hmm. I feel more comfortable doing like childish things, mm-hmm. childish. Because like before when um, I was a, a teenager, like in my early teens where that's when you you know sh- should stop playing and then start doing, I don't know, boring things like just talking and I don't know, what do teenagers do? No idea. But that's when I was like, it's such a shame because um, I still want to like play like kids. And then I had to force myself to stop because you're not supposed to be doing that. Mm. And now as a grown up, I'm like, uh, no, I would. (laughs) (laughs) I just went back to buying toys and Lego and uh, I'd play Pokemon and... Uh, Mario and do all of these things and I know like yeah nerdy adults do these things but Mm. that's what I like about myself is that I've allowed myself to do these things again just because I enjoy them and I don't care if I'm not supposed to be doing that Mm. and um, just having a car to drive myself to the store and buy whatever toy I want (laughs) is just so amazing because I'm like yeah I'm a kid but I also you know, have all of these other things that would enable me to live my best childhood if I was a kid, you know, because mm. no one can tell me, no, you don't, you can't buy that toy or no, we don't have to have time to drive you. I can do it myself now <laughs> and continue to be a kid forever. Um, yeah, that's my favorite thing about myself is that I'm, I'm not going to follow rules or what of what I'm expected to do as a 28-year-old if I 
want that random Pokemon figure, I'm gonna get it because mm. I can afford it and I want it. For me, my friendship with Al-Ghalia was, and still is, a deeply important experience. Here was someone who was so unbelievably honest about themselves that she left me no choice but to be honest about myself too. She's someone who has seen me through my time in Muscat from the very beginning. So I think she'd agree with me when I say that I'm a generally reserved person and I tend to have a hard time opening up. Her friendship taught me how to let loose and not be so cautious about being vulnerable. And most importantly, lean on to the things that bring me joy and improve the quality of my life unapologetically. I'm really grateful for Al-Ghalia for trusting me to produce this episode through your ears and for being a part of my journey to be on the way home. On the Way Home is brought to you by Oman FM. This show is available for streaming on all podcast platforms. If you like this episode, please give us a rating on Apple Podcast. It'll help us reach more people. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Fatma Dirai, and you can follow me on Instagram at Fatma's Eyes, F-A-T-E-M-A-S Eyes, edited by Azama Raisi and mixed by Abdullah Al-Mu'wadi. Thank you so much for listening.